0: Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. My name is Gabby. Uh, Nice to meet you. I've been... uh... Uh, part of this church for just a bit over a year now and uh, yeah I just wanted to share a a little bit about my testimony going through like a a bit of a deconstruction phase Um, uh, but to start you know I I grew up in a Christian home Um, and everything was good you know we went to church every Sundays and everything was great although myself I wasn't Christian my parents had great faith I did not Um, I just had some you know like some issues with the church Um, you know people thought like people were hypocrites man like you know they're going to church and gossiping in the back and um I had like people I just thought people had just fake faith Um, like it was different like church just seemed like a routine and like there was like this disconnection between God and the church Um, but like it was all like you know look good but behind the scenes it was different so like I just grew up not Christian Um, fast forward a little bit I was 17 I went to youth camp and I met God Everything felt great, it was awesome, I felt the Holy Spirit around me, I gave my life to Christ, and everything was bumping, and was chilling, and it was just so good. Um, up until 2018, um, when I came across this little article in this theory, and everything went downhill. See, it, it comes from this guy named um, Sigmund Freud. Um, he's this uh, psychoanalyst. Um, pretty cool fella, um, not really, not for me. Um, <laughs> He proposes a couple things, right? Um, He goes, uh, religion religion is an illusion, and he goes, religion is wish fulfillment. Now, what he would um, sort of come to the conclusion of uh, his theory, he would say religion is something that gives us fulfillment where we need it, right? So for example, because uh, like all the folks on earth would struggle with um, areas of um, debt, afterlife, the meaning of life, purpose of life, Whatever else um, that we've created, this perfect, loving Father um, that takes care of all these questions for us, and you know, just helps us uh, make a little bit, makes us feel nice and giddy inside and warm fuzzies. And um, I remember reading this, and I was like, I think that's me. Like, oh my goodness! Like, because my faith was so like experiential, right? Like, I felt God's presence, and I was like, this is great. I remember times in church, man. Like, um, like you know, you go to church and like. During the end, the worship team is, like, in the back and they're playing, like, this nice, like, soft, like, music and everything. They're just putting you in, like, a really, like, vulnerable, like, mood. And, like, the pastor comes up. He's doing his thing. And towards the end, he slows down his voice a little bit and points to the heavens. God forgives you. And, you know, I'm in the front row. (laughs) Yeah. That's so true, man. I started seriously, like, questioning those moments. I was like, yo, like now, like this is like church is like a part of my lifestyle. And, you know, I'm serving, I'm tithing, I'm doing all these things. And am I doing this just for like a nice feeling? Like, that was intense. I had like some mental breakdowns. And just like, I was like, this is crazy. This sucks. Is my life a lie? Is God even real? So I decided to dig a little bit deeper, go into some of these arguments and start studying a little bit. So, The psychological crutch, like is Christianity a psychological crutch? I started diving into it. Now, when it comes to the illusion part, um, like I found the argument to be very like flippable. Um, Let me put it like this: like Stephen Hawking, um, amazing, brilliant dude. He goes, "Religion is a fairy story for people who are afraid of the dark." Now, to rebuttal that, John Lennox goes, "Atheism." is a fairy story for people who are afraid of the light. Now, those are two great points, but they don't really prove anything. They don't like prove facts, do you know what I mean? Like if someone were to go to me, Christianity is a psychological crutch, I could go, well, bro, like atheism is a psychological crutch, right? So I didn't really like get too much out of that. As per like wish fulfillment, that didn't really make too much sense. Just be, Well, just in like my own personal perspective from it, it's like. Christianity is tough. Like, I wish Jesus would have been like, you're welcome for, you know, me down on the cross, you're forgiven. Everything's all good. Now go forth to my child and play video games and watch cat videos. And I'll be like, yeah, like, yeah, that's awesome. But no, instead it's pick up your cross and follow me. That's tough. You ever think about loving someone you don't like? That's difficult. So, Now that I'm like, you know, I'm doing this, uh, like all the studying and going into depths and stuff like that. It was good, but I I, I still had some few doubts. Like I still had a couple of things I wanted to figure out. So I started going into like different areas. Um, Now I'm going to really gloss over these areas uh, super quick just because of uh, time. Just know that there's so much more in depth. Chat with me after. I'd love to give you some um, atheist views and Christian views and whatnot. It's going to be a good time. So fine tuning. Right? This is an area that I dived into because I needed to back myself up. I need evidence for God, right? Okay, this feel-good stuff, okay, that's cool, but I need evidence for God. So I dove into uh, the world of fine-tuning, and fine-tuning essentially um, would refer to the precise values um, from the properties of this universe, right? And if these values from these properties are changed by the slightest of bits, planets, stars, galaxies would not exist, therefore, we would not exist. Uh, small example would be the strength of gravity. If the strength of gravity was to be changed by a fraction of a percent, a fraction of a percent, stars would not form, Earth would not be here. Therefore, we would not be here. Now, an atheist would be uh, would say something along the lines of, "This is by chance. It is the way it is. Stop making up this God thing to explain chance." And a Christian would be like, "Yeah, you know, chance makes sense, but that's because." There is this God that's behind here, weaving um, and guiding all these things. Cool? Take your pick on whatever you want. Just getting God's real. Now, now, I'm starting to find some evidence to back myself up. There is God. Okay, cool. So I started asking more questions, and I dove into uh, the world, world of uh, morality, right? Trying to figure out right and wrong. Um, what do you think is right and wrong? What do I think is right and wrong? Wrong. Um, An objective truth and subjective. And, like, I found myself, this is a very confusing thing, right? Like, at moments of time, I'm just like, yo, like, who's going on right now? Like, this doesn't make sense. But but if you think about it, like, you would go, well, if God does exist, then there's objective truth. Because of God's character, of peace, love, he's just. Um, We can pull these characteristics and go, well, these are right things to do. And anything that is opposite is considered evil, and those are wrong things to do. If God does not exist... And then all of every single one of our truths, every single one of our rights and wrongs are subjective. Now, that makes it very tough for um, people to determine who's to say what's right and wrong. My truth can be different than your truth. And when two worlds collide, that makes things very difficult. So I started diving, diving into that part a little bit. And, and it was good. I started getting some evidence for myself. And this is when uh, my, my experience faced faith. faith? started turning, started evolving into an um, evidence-based faith, right? So I started getting backing towards my experiences. Does that make sense? And um, the last thing I dove into was reliability, the trustworthiness of the Bible, specifically the New Testament. At this point in life, I had to figure out, is Jesus real? Is he truly who he says he is? I just wanna pull out two points. Pastor Zoe did an amazing job a couple of weeks ago explaining a bunch of bunch of things. So I'm not gonna go over them, but I just want to pull out two points that were just very impactful to me. Women. Women's testimonies were not accounted for, they were not accepted back in the day, right? Because women were just like considered lower than, and like men were just utmost important, good guys, and women just weren't considered like as good as guys. The fact, the fact that the initial witnesses of Jesus Christ were women. Now think about this, not only that, but it was also included in the gospels. Even the early church would not have liked this fact, but it was still there. This was of immense importance to me. That started making a little bit more sense. And um, and on to my second point, um, it comes from actually Acts chapter five. Just one second here, you guys. In Acts chapter 5, verses 33 to 39, it goes like this. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all these people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered these men to be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him, he was killed. All of his followers were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of census and led a band of revolt, he too was killed. And all of his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. If it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself against God. Numerous people claimed to be the Messiah. Numerous people had followings. These were cool kids on the block. People followed them. People liked what they said. All these folks died. Jesus died. But he rose again. And this was the crescendo. You can give a shout-out if you want. Thank you, Jesus. We love you here lots. Um, This was the crescendo. This was Jesus actually died, and he rose again. He died, and then he undied. And that was crazy to me, right? The one guy, the only guy. And this was in the moment of my life after um, studying, doing some research, where I slowly started coming back. Okay, I got evidence for God. I'm trying to get evidence for Jesus. Maybe I'm not mental. Maybe Christianity is possibly not a psychological crutch. Let me end it off like this. If someone were to ask me now, Gabby, bro, isn't Christianity just a psychological crutch for weak Christians? Uh, Well, I would probably say something along the lines of, you know, after diving into a few different areas, after... Questioning myself and questioning the things of this earth, like a person with a broken foot who needs a crutch. I too, a weak and broken person, needs my King Jesus to heal and fix me. That's a little bit about me. Thank you for listening. And now, um, please give Sam a warm welcome. He's our next speaker.
1: Uh, Hey, guys. Um, My name is Sam. Me and my wife, Jordan, she's back there. She's not sitting with my family. Uh, We've been coming to City Collective for a little over a year with our three little boys and uh, loving it. Um, I just want to say I'm really honored. Um, Oh, my goodness. This is also (laughs) unstable. Uh, (laughs) I'm really honored to be up here. Um, And I don't take this stage lightly. I don't take the opportunity to share my story lightly. Um, and it's, it is important to me that you know that. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it. So John 6, verse 28 and 29. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. I wish I had known about... And understood that verse a lot sooner in my life. I have come to love how simple Jesus makes it. There there are no caveats. There are no additional instructions. There are no scenarios he presents where this verse doesn't apply. It's pure. It's powerful. And it has been a gateway to freedom for me. Now, naturally, freedom was not always my reality. Uh, Before freedom came deconstruction. Because truthfully, before I understood the powerful simplicity of the gospel, I was bound. I was bound by things like pride, uh, crippling anxiety, loss of confidence in myself, lack of purpose, and subtle legalism. And I'm going to tell you my story of deconstructing this subtle legalism. I imagine most of you, when you hear the word legalism, an idea, a definition springs to mind. And I'm not going to address what legalism might mean to everyone here. I'm just going to tell you my definition as I've experienced it. Legalism to me is the idea that I can change God's opinion of me by the things that I do. That somehow by following Jesus' commands, I could achieve uh, a greater respect from God. That if I do that, he would love me more. Anyone else ever felt that way? (laughs) I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet many of you have. Now, the, the problem that I have found with legalism is that the definition I just gave, the, I could affect God's opinion by what I do. I have never believed that, and I don't now. I, I, it, it has been made abundantly clear to me uh, from the church I grew up in and, and my entire time as a Christian that I can do nothing to earn God's mercy or love. Abundantly clear. In fact, if I were to have said to a pastor at the church where I grew up, that I could make God value me more by following his commands, they would have laughed in my face and said, that's ridiculous. You know, in a nice way. (laughs) But somehow, I had that mindset. Somehow I managed to believe that by not following God's commands, I wouldn't measure up. So I had to ask myself the question, How? How have I come to believe in something that's wrong? How? If I was never explicitly taught to think this way, then why do I? Over the past year, I have found the answer to that question. And it can be summed up like this. Legalism worked its way into the fabric of my beliefs through subtlety. It didn't barge in through the front door of my mind, tearing down every other belief I had that opposed it. It knocked on the front door and waited patiently till I answered. And when I saw it standing there, it looked by all means to be true. Made sense, seemed to have the right credentials. It even told me it was a friend of Jesus. So when it asked to come in for a cup of tea, I couldn't think, why not? So I let it in. And I sit it down in a hardback chair and go off to make the tea. And for this metaphor to work, uh, making the tea has to take all of my childhood and teenage years to accomplish. (laughs) So that when I come back from making the tea, I find legalism sitting in the comfy armchair, not the hardback chair I put it in. It's my favorite chair. It's the chair that I thought I had reserved for Jesus, who is my preferred guest. But at this point, I don't have the courage to tell it to get out. And again, I can't think of any good reason why it should. So it stays. It stays in my mind. It has a presence there where it can now inform the motives of nearly everything that I do. I I hope that analogy makes sense. Forgive me if it doesn't, but (laughs) what I'm trying to illustrate is that legalism didn't come through loud, clearly untrue ideas. It came through correct ideas. Correct ideas where, uh, that were given the wrong emphasis, or more significantly, not given the right foundation, To be built on. And over time, all of these correct ideas become for me one subtle, almost indefinable lie. Now, from what I've seen uh, just in my life, my experience, nearly every Christian I have ever met has struggled or does struggle with this issue. Uh, between church, Christian K-12, school, Christian University, I have watched countless friends, um, people my age, walk away from their home church in search of another or walk away from church and faith altogether again because of this issue, this subtle legalism. In my process of deconstruction I've realized that the reason, and I'm speaking from my experience here, but the reason I have found is because I was not given the gospel as a foundation for all my beliefs. The gospel was preached maybe once a year in our, in our church growing up, just say Easter Sunday. The rest of the year, the sermons were, they were great. It was all good stuff. It was all very true stuff. Things like uh, who God is. What it looks like to follow Jesus, um, maybe Bible character studies or, or in-depth theological uh, concepts, great stuff. But what it amounted to for me was a conglomeration of ideas about what I could accomplish for God. None of it was bad at face value because, again, it was all true. But my attempt to live it out was not built on grace. It wasn't built on the unconditional love of God. It was built on the shaky foundation of the subtle legalism I've described. Now, as I indicated in the beginning, I have found freedom. And I found it because I met Jesus. (laughs) I met him. A little over a year ago, Jesus revealed himself to me in a powerful way. He called me out of an addiction to pornography. I got baptized. I was having visions. It, like, it was amazing. And for the next couple months, I was on fire. I was super motivated in my faith. I was feeling super spiritual. Every day, I was reading the Bible. Nearly every evening was spent in prayer, seeking God. Wanting to be closer to him, to know him better. But after a couple months, things got hard. I don't think I'm alone in that experience. And I began to slowly stop doing all of those things. I began to stop reading, praying, worshiping. And and for six to eight months, I actually did none of those things. I didn't engage with my faith at all. And I could tell you a little more about what that Time meant for me, but after six to eight months, the Holy Spirit spoke directly in my heart and said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And in an instant, I discovered the presence of subtle egoism in my life. And in that same instant, I began to deconstruct it. And I deconstructed it by learning the gospel as if for the first time. I learned that I am saved by grace through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that it is only by surrender, by giving myself to his death that I could have any hope of of receiving, of attaining to the resurrection life. I learned, <clears throat> I learned that Jesus legitimately lives in me. He actually lives in me. It's not a metaphor. And that by his grace and by the power of his presence in me, I can actually be transformed into his likeness. I can be conformed to the image of Jesus, the almighty king. And everything I do, all of the works, all of the spiritual disciplines flow from the simplicity and freedom found in this gospel. More and more, this has become my reality to where it is a joy to read the word. It is exciting. It's exhilarating to pray. To to see the Holy Spirit work in my life, to see Jesus move on the earth. And loving my neighbor, the poor, my brothers and sisters, is an overflow of the love that He has poured into my heart by the Holy Spirit. It's His love. I want you all to know that wherever you are at in your walk, or on your journey of deconstruction, I want you to know. My heart burns that you would know that Jesus stands with his arms open wide, saying, come to me, all who are weary, weary from the deconstruction, the questions, the confusion, maybe mixed messages you grew up with. Come, surrender, believe in me, And I will give you rest with Jesus as your cornerstone for the foundation of everything you do and believe. I know you can find a life of true freedom, as I have. Thank you.
2: Uh, wonderful. This is my second time being able to listen to these two share. We we got together on Thursday night, and every time we do something along these lines with different voices sharing on a Sunday morning, I always say to the group that my favorite part of it, this Sundays are great, but probably my favorite part is, is the Thursday night or whatever during the week that we gather together, and I get to hear here at Raw, like that's like the first time. That they're they're like processing in the moment. They're, they're sharing so heartfelt whatever they're wanting to communicate on the Sunday. So thank you to you both for giving of yourself. That story, that's vulnerable, that's, that's truth that you have discovered on Journey. So that's meaningful to me, uh, and I hope it's been meaningful to you. And, and I want to highlight one thing. I, I think that asking a lot of questions, as we have, can be extremely disorienting. It can, it can pull and push you in so many different directions. And the goal is not to disorient you on a Sunday morning. <laughs> it's not, not to make you feel like you don't know anything. But it is to engage in what we've talked about in this idea of intellectual honesty. But more importantly, it's the thing that we've kind of just engaged with, with Sam in this last little talk. This question of, in the house that I have built that I call my faith, that I call my belief, what does it look like? What are the building blocks that make it, make it up? And more importantly, what is it founded upon? Let me read from you, uh, for you out of First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. And it says this. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now in verse 4, it says, As you come to him a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Do you hear that? In the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When we speak of this deconstruction, if I'm being honest, I think deconstruction just like it is in any good metaphor. If you've got a building and you wanna knock it down, it can be pretty easy. Get a wrecking ball and you can take it down, no problem. The real challenge of this process is the conversation of reconstruction. It's easy to knock it all down and to let let it be a wasteland around you. The invitation of Christ is to be intellectually honest, to ask real questions, to knock down what is untrue and unfounded, and that is not founded upon the person of Jesus, and then to rebuild upon the cornerstone that is Christ, because you are to be spiritual stones that are a house for the Spirit of of God to exist within you, so you are a holy priesthood to be used by Christ. Christ in the world but the only way that is possible is if we have Christ as our cornerstone if we have Jesus as our foundation and so if you're in a space where questions are running to and fro in your mind wonderful that's a great great thing to be engaging with but the invitation is not to get every question perfectly answered it is to discover who Jesus is in the midst of it all that Jesus wants to be your foundation. That Jesus wants to be at the center of all that you do. So that when you ask the questions and when you go into the depths of it, like Gabby, he started to ask questions about his faith. He started to, he, he had the pieces of the validity of the gospel come to life for him. He had, he had the truth of Jesus come to life for him. And that is my heartfelt desire for every single one of you. Not that I can convince you of every single doctrine that I might hold personally. But that you would know without a shadow of a doubt that the Savior of the universe, God in heaven, came to earth to be as you and I. To experience the suffering and the struggle of humanity to give of himself freely and to rise again so that we might experience life and life to the fullest. That is my heart's desire, that you have that as your foundation and upon that foundation, you might build your life. And upon that foundation, a good house of faith might be built that would hold the presence of God and be a force for the goodness of God in this world spiritual stones, holy priesthood. God wants to live in you and through you. Christ came for you and is with you. In our space of deconstruction, there is much to discover. But my hope is if we have knocked down some walls and we feel like some of our foundations feel a little bit shaky, great. Because we have a Savior that meets us in the midst of it. wants to be our foundation through it and wants to see your life be reconstructed around the goodness of God as it has always been desired from the very beginning let's pray together heavenly father thank you that we get to do this together For every single person that is here in the spaces they might find themselves in their faith, thank you that they're here today. That there are questions being asked. And that the hope of humanity is not the church. The hope of humanity is not our opinions. The hope of humanity is not theology. The hope of humanity is Jesus. Thank you that you said that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And upon that, we can, we can move forward and ask the questions and, and, and deconstruct and reconstruct. Thank you that you're unlike any other, any other conversation of religion. That it isn't that all religions lead to you, but it's the fact that you are the way. That you are the truth, that you are the life. Thank you that we get to go on this journey together. I just pray for for every story that has experienced hurt, that has been impacted by voices in the church, and so much of their journey feels to be, that just needs to be healed, need to be made whole again. Thank you that's possible through you. May your kingdom come, May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook
2: at City Collective Church. Have a great week.